everybody. Welcome to episode 45B of Tactical Crouch. We're just going to call it 45B. I don't know. Maybe 46. We'll see. We're coming here uh, on a day that we don't normally record, on a Friday. We said that we were going to do another episode, discuss some of the games that we felt were pretty impactful and important at this point in the season that we just didn't get to in the regular uh, time frame that we had for to record on Tuesday. So we're going to discuss that today. Of course, Joe and Yiska, both with me. Good to see you guys. Both are looking great. Joe, saw you were on Around the Payload earlier this week. How did that go? Uh, did was you win? Good. I did win. I did win. Um, the last question proud. was was uh, something something to do with uh, rebranding. I, I thought I knocked that out of the park. I, I, I rebranded the London Spitfire to the London Birds, and our mascot was going to be Prophet's middle finger. I thought that was, that was pretty good. That one kind of hit me. It was serendipitous that uh, fate, fate kind of backhanded that one into my brain so that was nice there you go did you love it when you just get the perfect response it's like when you're oh, playing quiplash I had, yes. and you just get like you get it or you're playing like cards against humanity and you have the mm -hmm. perfect card and then you just yep it just fits because i was lost i was like i the only thing i can think of is like changing the mayhem colors to like the vice city colors with like the, the cotton candy and the electric blue i'm like we could do that i guess that's like a fan favorite and then it just it just was like whoosh I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing that. <laughs> That's perfect. I like it. Yeah. Thank you, Brain. Yusuke, what have you been up to, man? Where are you at in TFT right now? Oh, I haven't played in a... Oh, that's not true. I played this week. I played, I think, two matches on a new patch, and once again, I don't know what, what is happening. It's, it's tough to keep up. Yeah. Well, if you don't tough. play much, it's really hard to keep up with the meta until someone tells you. Force this every time, and then bench, you can grind some. I think Bench almost has three hundred games played. He's it's insane. He also talks games. about nothing else anymore. Yeah, it's just all he does. <laughs> I love it. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we wanted to talk about on the show, which is um, the two two other matches. It kind of turned into three. Uh, so the first one was we actually wanted to talk about Chengdu versus NYXL. We didn't get to talk about it on Tuesday. And uh, Joe was really upset because he didn't get his stage to gloat. Because uh, you called this one. You didn't call the 4-0. No, that, that was the only bit that was surprising. Um, yeah, so you didn't call it. You should have just got, went all in at that point. And you didn't. Called three two. It ended up being I think a three one three two. You called a three two. Yeah, Chengdu. I called it to be three, close. Two, Chengdu, Chengdu, irking it out on control maps. Yeah, didn't uh, uh, didn't expect it to be that decisive. I kind of expected, um, you know, last would have been would it have been last week? I think last week we talked to Mineral and, um, you know, he, he mentioned how one week within the Overwatch League matters so 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 much um and i really took that to heart when, when kind of forming the prediction because i went into that show thinking yeah i think chengdu over nyxl is very reasonable for x and y reasons that i described before and then he's you know pitching how much time is in between those these two matches and how much uh, experience you gain through practice on those with with that time given so i was like oh dang you know this is nyxl they have been able to adapt before they should be able to kind of come in and, and bring some other sort of look 
Um, turns out they couldn't. Um, I don't think it was Chengdu playing incredibly well. I think they played pretty normal for how they have been so far. This is really just a, an attest to New York's kind of a slump. This is not a, a good yep. look for them. I don't know where they want to sit. I, I don't know what roster they want to play. They don't want what what compositions are good right now. They look just like very lost in the, in can, the, in the sauce. Can you, because you said they were able to adapt before, can you point to us? Because I can't remember when they were actually ever good at adapting. I, I guess when I when I reference them adapting, it's mostly towards like the somber goats. I thought that turnaround wasn't that painful. It it was it was painful because Sabiolbi just really didn't look great on the somber, especially his EMPs. I thought his hacks all in all were okay. Specifically was hunting down the Lucios to hack them and then the team engaged. So there was like some thought process to it. But it was it was pretty quick. Because I remember, like, stage three, or it would have been sta end of stage two to end, like, beginning of stage three, I think it was around the time frame. We started hearing stirrings that, like, NYXL is doing some different stuff. And then they come out, and then they play CPLB and Sombra. It's like, okay, well, this is different. So they're they're kind of changing their style immediately. And they've been a very, like you said, a very stuck-in-their-ways, stubborn, stylistic team. They want to play this slow, turtley style of goats, which is fine. But they knew that it wasn't going to continue working for too terribly long, so they tried to adapt. So I thought that Sombra changeup was a nice turn of events. It wasn't peak NYXL, I would agree with that. But I thought that turnaround was fine, so I kind of assumed that this, given the time, you we're going into week, it would have been week two uh, to play against Chengdu. You would have been able to see you know, the, the field get a feel for how the meta is playing out or at least how other teams are viewing the meta and then play from there. And that just didn't happen. Um, it seemed like kind of the same, same stuff from week one and the same problems kind of re reoccurred. I, I think the pattern now seems pretty obvious that New York is not a team that adapts well. Yeah. They're very, they are a pure, refinement team if you give them a, a, a preseason uh, or you know season break to to practice towards something they can grind into a thing where they also have these these styles that require refinement like defensive mm -hmm. goals right and as soon as something weird happens that they would have to uh, rework they take an incredible amount of time to uh, get back into the know i think Given how the the patch theory looks like, so the projection, of course, being we're now playing this stage, and then the the uh, patch comes in before the playoffs. I think New York season's over, and I, I also have to say, um, they were never really that deep into it, right? Because we had a couple of refinements over the season, and I felt like. Yes, stage one, stage two. I mean, you can hardly argue with their record other than, say, pointing towards the uh, division. But I honestly think that they will need to figure something out or also uh, in, in uh, advance for the next season because we know every six to eight, eight weeks the game will change. Yeah. 
and that will be a, a problem for New York. And maybe they need your coaching staff. I would even think it isn't on the players. Don't, I'm not sure if they're just so. I, I find it weird for it to be on the players. Yeah. So this this might be just like the dumbest question of like John, have you ever watched an Overwatch League game in your life? Don't teams play ten interdivisional games and ten divisional games? No, they play twice as many divisional games as interdivisional. But they play. I don't know. Don't they play five games per stage? Seven games per stage. Seven games, Seven so it's 28. Yeah. So then that puts them at... I think what Yiska is saying, I think you're referencing him saying that their season's over. I think he's predicting for the playoffs that patch change is going to gimp them again. They're going to be behind the eight ball. They're going to get knocked out early. I think that's... I, I, mean, I don't want to put words I, I don't disagree with that at all. I was, yeah. I was more talking about the comment about the no, reason why NYXL is so looks better than they are is because of the divisional and i can't remember uh, i think it was last okay. year where they didn't play twice as many uh divisional games no no uh, what gotcha. what happened last year was you skipped every stage you skipped one uh, opponent right we had 11 teams that you could play against yeah it was but like round or, robin or stages almost. yeah had only one so already that was actually quite impactful as busy uh, proved later on mm. based on like some of the placements i think houston got actually screwed they got to they didn't dodge uh hard opponents for instance but uh this time around i'm pretty sure it's the case so how would that uh split up if it's twice as many 28 is not dividable by three so that, it's, that's, it's that's probably, what i was saying right so yeah. um i don't know we, to, we once again rely on chat too. Chat, get us <laughs> I, I learned my lesson trying to do math on the stream, man. Uh, it's not, dude, it's not Wikipedia, good. Wikipedia, let's go. Overwatch. Actually, that was, that was the debate all along. Um, they don't play themselves. <laughs> I'm so dumb. <laughs> yeah, that is actually true. They don't play themselves. Sometimes they play themselves. I feel like London plays themselves quite often, but... Yes, yeah. yes they do. Speaking of a team that I kind of assumed would have a harder time adapting to this meta, London's been doing pretty good. I'm, uh, has London ever had a bad game against NYXL in, Fran in franchise history? Uh, I think they just... These teams will always have bomb games. I think it, I can't remember when when they ever had a terrible one. To be fair, whenever NYXL wasn't that good or London wasn't that good, they probably dodged each other. But mm. even when London wasn't good in the midseason uh, last year, they, this, those games were still very very competitive. I think there's just something <sighs> they they both respect each other as these purely Korean lineups, and I think also Vancouver is now in that mix. Where there's just something extra, some some extra quality to these games where you want to win more because these players also recognize each other mm -hmm. to be the absolute Korean elite. Yeah, I mean it's um, yeah it's 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 tough. It was tough watching that NYXL Ch Chengdu game because I don't know, man. Like uh, Joe, who who Hasty. who should who should take Widow? On NYXL right now, who should be that widow? I, I don't, mean, you've got, I don't you've know got that you even need a widow. You've got 
Uh, Nene, you've got Flower, of course, who's played 70 minutes so far this year, a little bit more after their last game. But they, I, as far as I remember, they put very little time, if any time, on Widow. It's been mostly, yeah, I, what, Brigitte and Sombra, right? Or something dumb like that? For the season? For the season. Yeah, I mean, most I mean, most of the season has been GOAT, so it's how much time behind the scenes have these bench players um, and kind of 7th, seventh, 8th seventh, men uh, been practicing these specific heroes? It's hard to say, so, like, there's a lot to NYXL's, you know, downswing. Where's Pine? If Widowmaker's going to be in the meta, I don't think she really is. I think she is on certain maps she can be used, sure. but I think majority of the time, the meta is kind of settling down into, I don't know, there's not a, a jargon name for it. I've I've uh, been told it's New Goats with uh, Reaper May, with this uh, Moyer and Lucio all-in style. And you just kind of run at each other very much in the same way that goats did. Um, I think that's going to be like the default for uh, the rest of the stage for a lot of these maps. Um, you might see teams throw in some alterations like we saw charge. I think last night play Rhine on control center. So that was kind of interesting. But I think for the most part, that's what we're going to start to see more and more is this new goats, if you want to call it that. Oh God! I do not want to call it that. Did you did you see it? Fusion's uh, suggestion? No. What do you say? Fortnite gods. <laughs> <laughs> because of the uh, I, I I assume because of the, the wall. wall building. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Fortnite Dream suggested gods. Nate Nanza gods instead. We I like we need to figure out something to call it because it's I think it is going to be the default for a lot of maps that people are going to start running. I think, yeah, the Hanzo works too, but I think the Reaper makes a lot of sense. It's it's very straightforward, combos well. So does the, the Hanzo combos well as well, if that makes sense. But I don't know. I'm still not even entirely sure exactly why why reaper is just being auto run into everything he's mobile i get it shield pressure is good alts not terrible why why do you think Reaper? what do you guys think reapers like kind of being thrust into the meta right now why isn't the hanzo why isn't it the, the Widowmaker? it's a good question i i mean in some maps it is certainly, right, certainly. In some maps oh, yeah, i mean for some teams I mean, especially yeah, well. when we were watching, uh, like, Washington, they ran almost exclusively Hanzo in May, right? Like, I... So, maybe I'm just not totally convinced yet that Reaper sits in that tier alone, but mm. he is... He's got a lot of kind of ex exploiting mechanics, right? He can heal himself when he ults, right? He still does that. Sure. He has great, like, whatever, if you want to call it a zoning alt or whatever, great, great mobility. You know, one of the few, there's not a lot of DPS that operate like Reaper and that they have some of that vertical mobility as well, mm. but also are really good for, like, up close and personal combat. So, I don't know. I also just think that sometimes you just need damage. Like, and when you've got 
that level of damage coming out from somebody like Reaper. Sure. I guess. But uh I would love I would love to uh hear Dream's head explode because I guarantee you Dream right now has like an exact I mean reason to tell us why. So if I want to retell what Dream thinks, and I'm probably not doing it justice, but he I think and I agree, I don't think the Reaper is good against May explanation makes much sense. Um, he also thinks it will eventually. Uh, okay, let me think. If he wants me to say this, probably <laughs> this is not a problem. Okay. Uh, he, he thinks it will end in Sombra. Yeah, it'll it'll play out very similarly to how Goats did, where now we swap out a DPS for Sombra. We're playing. We're just playing Goats again. Is is basically his his take on a lot of this. It's very similar in his mind to goats, which I can see definitely makes a lot of sense. There's nuance differences, but um, some some interesting points in chat. Apparently, Surefor went on a vast stream and talked about uh, Hanzo being the more carry high DPS risk risk versus reward character, and looks like Reaper's just kind of the safer sustain pick. Kind of interesting from a from a pro's point of view. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I cannot. Weird. I cannot say with any confidence that I understand why that thing is currently going on the way it is. Like, I constantly keep forgetting that his shift is safe now because you you become invisible for that like couple seconds after you teleport. Could help, obviously. To see uh, increases. Yeah, his his. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the ability is called. Shadow step, I think. Yeah, it's safe on landings. You're not just getting headshot again. So that's why you're seeing so many flanks. Um, I know Gladiators was really big on doing that. I think uh, London, Vancouver, this game last night, very big on Busan. A lot of flanking from Stitch. Um, didn't always work out, but it, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to see how exactly... Maybe, maybe it's just the simple fact that it pairs well with the Lucio so that when you do all in everybody's literally six on whatever targets there and you just kind of it's hard to heal through uh, reaper damage so you kind of yeah. just have like big amounts of damage there it's it's hard to kill a reaper right like i mean mm. th they have a lot of sustainability in a lot of ways like yeah i don't know there's uh i don't know i i don't know <laughs> don't know yeah it's just kind of interesting to think through like why exactly has reaper kind of been thrusted at us and and yeah i'm not entirely too sure if it's going to be the de facto but i i do have a feeling that there's a good chance that it's either the, the hanzo or the reaper i don't think the widow's really coming in sombra mm -hmm. might come in as like a tech option uh if things get too stale um especially with the reaper because again a lot of his a lot of his kit is ability based. So if you just hack him out, well, cool. Now we can just kill you because you don't have shift. You don't have your mobility. And NY itself, though, did seem pretty content in running Widow, which is kind of my point. Yeah. It's like they kept running Widow, but the point is like, who? D nobody's looked very good on Widow. And you might want to blame that on the players, but you also might say it's just not, it's not it's a good not pick. It's not the hero to run. Yeah. It's just not a good pick. Like, it doesn't matter how good DeFran was at Torb. Or Mangachu doesn't mean that you pick Torb. Although maybe, mm -hmm. maybe. 
I think the projectile speed change was just very big for Hanzo, where yeah. a lot of the applications where Widow came in beforehand now make sense for Hanzo. It's, I think also there's a bunch of mechanical overlap now. Like yep. the leading is not even that big of a uh, thing now with Hanzo, right? And then also Sonic Arrow is nuts. Like Sonic Arrow mm -hmm. is nuts. The burst that you get now from the thing is kind of crazy. Starmba. Yes, that's right. what it's called. Yeah. The what? What if you headshot with? What does it do? It it eliminates. You win the you win the game. You win the game basically. But you saw, and I, I mean, my highlight for the week was, I think, Corey on Hanzo, probably, because yeah, he yeah. played that pretty masterf masterfully. As much as I don't want to give it all, all the credit to, to Corey, like, he did, it really has shown how much better, and the projectile T speed has definitely helped, but just how much better Hanzo players are now at predicting movements and understanding these uh. angles, and they were even um, just a couple stages ago, because they're... The amount of like shooting around the corner and all of a sudden here, think you're just like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> How do you do? I've tried, I've tried doing that in my diamond games. It doesn't work quite like that. It's just like nothing. There's nothing there. It's just nothing. So yeah, got to play those angles better, I guess. Got to be Sonic Air. Got to know when they're coming. No, 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 you got to educate it. They didn't have Sonic Air. They just educated the guests. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know. We probably just need like a ding, 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 ding. We got that there. There. That's that's, that's the the storm bow. Ding, 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 that's when we make a great point. It's like we're headshotting chat. Yeah. Ah, like, oh, such a good point. Ding. Yeah. All right. One other. <laughs> so one other question I had about NYXL is um, you 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 saw a lot of Farah. Mm. from uh, Chengdu, and you didn't really see NYXL try to deal with them, ever. Yeah, now that you mention it, I do remember specifically, I think it was on that first Li Zhang map, they just, again, it's it's one of those schools of trying to, to beat Farah comps, it's, and, and I don't know that it's ever really been successful in just ignoring her and taking like a land fight and when taking like Libero, the 5 like yeah i mean I, last last year libro had a great farah yeah it wasn't bad like he's he's definitely not bad at farah so it was really strange to see them like opt into not like in the first two fights which again like you're just kind of i wouldn't say you're just actively throwing those fights but you're just kind of like coming in with a really weird play style but again it's new york they they just look lost like they don't know you look they, like a team that's trying to adapt as little as possible to preserve like their core game style like play style and that was sorry go on their core play style sucks no no completely right like definitely but if you remember the discourse i'm pretty sure we had this on the show mm. was crouch there back then or was that on Overwatch League Daily? I don't remember, but I think we attributed this to Wizard Young. That he was this hardliner that wanted to play uh only, you know, like dive. And sure. we are focusing on the beauty of Overwatch and playing whatever. 
I don't think that's fair anymore. That same quality of being unable to uh, on the fly adapt things is still there. Maybe like that's that's the problem with like hearing a bit of a rumor and then uh, sort of like that being blown up and you really like coaching so hard to evaluate right yeah. you almost got to see what happens when someone's taken out and also people improve rapidly in coaching and it's so hard to judge but also just because a coach leaves doesn't mean like the philosophies and That's disciplines that they instilled in those True. players all of a sudden go it's not like yep. you it's not like a professional sport analogy which yiska loves where you grow up from the age of 5 pitching and going through new coaches almost every year and things stick from you here and there mm. but ultimately you have this really adaptable player at the end of the at the end of this time who you know under this new uh, whatever it's like these are still 18 to 22 year old kids who yeah. maybe have been coached in an esport a total of three years. I now see the parallel, Joe. You know, like uh -oh. yeah, uh, NYXL are the macro guys that all ha have all these sick build orders and the macro built up, and then dirty little cheeses like you come in, just run Reaper hand me and cheese shit like this, and just run over the beauty. And also, That's all those true. games they're losing right now don't count. Oh, that's the one. That that's that's the kicker. None of them count. You're right because yeah. they're always sandbagging. You're right. So no, everyone is. Everyone. Everybody is just fast pooling, expands, yeah, and those still count by the six pool. Sure. Yeah, they don't count. We we don't worry about those ladder points that we lost. Fourteen hatch. We just we just Zerg we just face check time. that bush every and time. Third base before pool. It just so happens that there's people there. Yeah. Nope. Just keep. Keep making those excuses. You're you're the king of excuses. <laughs> no, that like if I win that macro game and I win every macro game, I have a 100% win rate in it, honorable you're fights. Right. You're right in honorable fights. Yes, and and you define what's honorable. I'm so you always have 100%. I'm basically the guy from Indiana Jones. You know when when this guy goes like with a saber and he tosses it up and does like sick tricks and mm -hmm. Indy's just like <clears throat> shoots him in the head. It's over. That doesn't count. This guy gets resurrected actually. Oh, does, does he? Yes. In saber dancing. Respawn right. instantly. Knock yeah. it off. <laughs> That's, this has gone on long enough. Uh, Cheng, let's talk about Chengdu. We talked a lot about NYXL. But we actually haven't talked about Chengdu. And let's be honest, as much as this was NYXL's game to lose, this was just as much Chengdu's game to win. And Joe, you called this. You said that Chengdu is a team that in this meta should beat NYXL and you did say you know some things along the line of people I think are immediately thinking because it's no longer goats we go back to see NYXL season one mm -hmm. when in actuality even though we're going to 222 and we played some compositions last year that would be even today classified as 222 sure yeah. doesn't automatically mean that they're the best in the world at that again no but Chengdu very much, um, what's the what, what's the right? They, uh, you saw something that poised them to win here. And keep in mind, this is a team Chengdu so far in stage four has uh, defeated the Fusion. Yep, the Fusion Uprising, yep. lost to the Gladiators, 
and then four owed narrowly in five, and then yeah. four owed NYXL. So we're a little all over the map yet. Chengdu does not have an easy rest of uh, their their schedule, right? They go to where are my notes here? Uh, they play the Spark this week, and then week four they play Shock and Outlaws. They're currently in twelfth. They're they're right on the cusp. They could be the team that falls from 12th to 13th, especially if they don't, you know, Spark, I think a lot of people are counting out because of the whole Crystal thing, right? But there's... Well, I mean, they also just don't look great. They just don't, but the, it's not... If you're taking Fusion to five... Yeah, that I think that was the big worry going into this New York game for a lot of people. I think... If those earlier games look a little bit smoother, I think more people probably would have would have went chunk do at this. But I think people were really gun shy on three two three two three two. You go against New York, you assume New York's going to be a little bit better, and then Chengdu pulls out the four zero, which is that that's a big statement not only for them but where New York kind of falls within this metagame. Um, I, I I do think that they're going to beat spark i think that's probably like a three one again predicting four is just pretty difficult just because of how control works these days um shock's going to be difficult for them but it's not something that they haven't been able to overcome in the past they've upset them before in the middle of goats which i think that was their peak um i'm still not entirely too sure where to put shock i think they're within like the top five if not one of the best teams if not the best team but it's very unclear and then Houston is unfortunately Houston. I think Chungdu yeah. probably beats them. Um, so like it, it's not. I wouldn't say it's hard, but it's unclear. But that's Chengdu though. Like their whole every schedule for Chengdu is very unclear because sometimes they just kind of style on themselves. They beat with, teams that they probably shouldn't, but then they also lose. And the then teams they just they probably yeah. shouldn't. Like there's just. You, it's very hard to find like a consistency in their results, mm -hmm. except for Joe, it, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I call like the one or two that that look interesting, um, but they're just so different compared to everybody else. This this meta, it's not as obvious, but they're they they played like overly aggressive, which again can you know you can play yourself there. That King's um, Row push, man. Yeah. Super aggressive. I mean, you mentioned King's Row, but now we're starting to see Jichiren come out. We're starting to see Late Young. They're back on their same BS with running weird comps. It's like, nobody's running Ryan Zari on King's Row. N nobody does that. But for whatever reason, <laughs> um, they, they want to do that. And I don't know why. Um, it's, it's very bizarre. I, I think it's, it's really interesting to look at and I wish teams would, you know, come out with their own little style a little bit more often. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. I think, I think ultimately because of how the schedule plays out, I think we're looking at Chengdu is going to actually get that 12th or maybe even 11th. I think so. Yeah. Spot. Um, the Valiant <sighs> play the mayhem next week. Uprising the week after, and then Shock and Gladiators, but that's in LA. Yeah. So in the homestand. So there's there's kind of this dark there's this kind of dark horse for LA Valiant here where they there's 
there's a potential if they, especially if they show up at the homestand, though, that they can mm. really, uh, they can rob, they can rob someone of that playing spot. Yeah, yeah. dude, I really hope they make it to the next three weeks, two weeks, winning both, so we get that, uh, you know, last last minute thing because they likely will. Wait, do they have? That's a map preferential. Let's see. They currently do. Okay, that is interesting because realistically, they probably only need to win one unless Joe is right and Chengdu actually wins um, against. I guess they would have to win two. So I think Valiant needs to win probably every single one. Florida should be beatable. Boston definitely is. Gladiators, then. Uh, I wish it was the other raid round. First shock, then gladiators. I think that would be more hype. But okay, you can, cannot have, have everything. But I hope they make it through uh, Florida and Boston so the, the hype keeps, gets kept up for this last homestand event. That all in all is just sick in the lineup. Yeah, it's it going to be fantastic. But also, that added storyline, like, <laughs> let's be honest. Despite like the the teams that have like one match like Dallas, Valiant is probably the the weakest one that has to play two. But at the same time, there is so much on the line for them that then this also develops another top notch storyline. So everything really comes together in in week five. Hopefully, I hope that storyline holds up to that. Not to get a little too off sub off track, but you think Florida Valiant is decided already? Mm. No, that actually scares me a little. Yeah, yeah. I think Florida has a chance. Yeah. I, I, I think we can talk about that a little later, but Florida, not looking bad. I, I must say, I'm still not sold. Mm. I'm not sold. The house is not sold. I'm not foreclosed. But you're starting to win me over a little bit. You know why? Starting to, why is that? The swoosh is back in town. That's that, that must be it. That must be it. They're abusing the tree. That, I, I can't argue with that logic. What does winning over mean? Um, I think a good showing against the Valiant would be like, okay, I see you, Florida. You're doing good. I think a win over the Valiant would be like, okay, Florida's doing all right. I think I, I, I really don't. What? Okay, so what? What are you looking for? What? What? What, what answer would would? I mean, I, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what you mean by winning over. Do you mean? Their rebuild was successful. Do you mean? No, I just think they're okay right now. I I don't. I just. I think a lot of people are ready to just jump because we have seen them have two solid performances against Toronto and against London. Again, I'm not entirely too sure how to weigh that London match because it is London and they just Mm. throw sometimes um, or don't prepare. I don't know exactly what you want to call it, but. I guess a, a solid performance against Valiant would it would be, at least build confidence. I guess that would be a better way to put it. Can I can I make you hate me, Tripod? Because I'm I'm going to jump to another topic that I think is honestly really mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Already hates me. <laughs> Underrepresented is I think you will like this one. I think honestly we're not talking enough how hard Boston is fucking up right now. True. I'm not allowed to comment on Boston publicly anymore. 
it's there. Uh, how is everyone okay with them being probably the worst team in the league right now? Like, we like, <laughs> I I got the biggest clown clown costume after like saying, oh, how Boston succeeds in economic roster building. Like I wrote that in stage one because they sold Gamsu just before the yeah. season, right? On the 12th, uh, season started on the 15th of February. And then it sort of worked for a while, and now it absolutely doesn't. Holy hell. I think they're not mat mathematically out yet. No, they, they are... So according to Eric, they are at 0.3% chance that they still make it in. They are the, the one team that has, I think, eight wins right now. Like it's, it, I think maybe they even are already uh, disqualified or out. But that is really upsetting, isn't it, for uh, a team like Boston? Like who we thought, okay, wow, this is happening. And we uh, remember how we thought this d double trade Valiant uh, Boston thing, how, how well that worked out for... Um, no, sorry, how well the, the other trades in terms of with Shanghai and whatnot, and then also the RCK trade, how well that w uh, worked out initially, how both teams, both Dallas and uh, Uprising, uh, gained from that. And both teams really didn't, dude. Both teams really <laughs> rolled off. Time, at the time, they did okay. Both teams... Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a honeymoon phase, maybe it was internal, you know, solutions, finally, communication. I don't know. I don't half the time don't believe what the teams say PR wise. That might be true, but I've been, you know, jaded and wrong by, you know, a team so many times that I, I, I can't take them super seriously. Um, but I think that's more of a, a, a symptom of the meta change and 222 and, and Dallas and Boston just, again, not having the right tools to play or, or maybe not having a, a good understanding or a good idea or being comfortable in this metagame. I, I don't think it's because of the trade. I don't know that it's because of the personnel per se. I don't know. It's 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 hard to put your finger on, but I don't I don't think it's because of some sort of tertiary problem that happened in goats. Mm. Yeah, I think like it, at this point, it's one fat data point towards that you probably sh shouldn't sell your starters at the start of the season and try to catch up. Even though, like, let's be honest, Fusion stepping in is about as good as that could have happened. That right? was just a Hail Mary. Like, I, I appreciate how good Boston did during the first, like, three stages, but you can't... I don't know that anybody can plan for just selling your main tank like what a month yeah. out maybe and then bringing up your contenders level player to just be a stud like that like i don't i i don't think you they, can play for that kind of stuff they probably lucked out honestly yeah. like that that strategy probably is worse i don't uh, than i hate both of those takes I don't think that it was this random like lightning thing where it's like nobody knew effusions before and nobody knew that he was good. No, obviously but at the same not. time, I don't think that they expected him to have that level of impact. And yes. I think that people who say that they did, or they knew it all along or coach Huck knows all kind of thing. Like I, I get it, dude. I've got my Boston uprising shirt in the closet too. And I will defend my, my teams to certain extents. 
But there's there's when whenever you're calling up players like this, there's always this risk reward thing that ends up coming up in anything, right? Like, what are the risks of bringing up, um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a talented player in uh like fusions versus what are the rewards in doing so? They clearly felt that the reward of selling off their main tank and bringing that up was worth the risk which you know give that risk that jonah hill risk assessment moneyball guy a raise because at least for the first two stages uh because that that was fine but now you're in a meta where reinhardt isn't really a thing so uh you're kind of back to being in trouble a little bit and and I agree with the fusions. Like we knew he was good. We didn't know he'd be this good on this team on such short notice. I, I, I completely agree with you there, but let's, let's shift a little bit within Boston. Let's talk about color hex. Color hex was touted to be this, this kind of under appreciated Australian mm. flex comes in. Everybody's waiting for him to pop off in this specific meta game, which apparently is supposed to suit his hero pool and he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, I, I need to hold Jonah on. Hill there, where's Jonah Hill? Here's well, here's where you're first, Ron. He's not Australian. He's from New Zealand. My mistake. I'm sorry. Let's get that <laughs> straight right now. <laughs> Fod and chat. We get each other. My mistake. We My get mistake. each other. So number one, never make that m- mistake again on the show. Otherwise, uh, we, I don't know. We'll bring some heartfelt apologies. <laughs> but yes, you're right. I agree with you on everything else. All right. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I know. No, no. It, Sometimes it, I gotta take those moments. You have to. Plus, I today I learned I did not realize he was he was a Kiwi. But also, New Shit. Zealand and Australia are the exact same country. So get out. That's, of here. No, that's just NA. Get out of here with that. Here's here's an interesting thing that another coach, and I won't say who it was, told me, and he said, when, like when we were doing badly. We had all the excuses in the world. Now, think back. I don't know if you guys watched that episode with Gumba on Oversight. Mm-hmm. Like the type of excuse, not excuses, the like type of explanations. I don't want to, you know, devalue that because I think he genuinely thought this. But when someone says, oh, yeah, we can't, we're losing because we can't make players go to sleep early or stuff like this. Like this coach said, that is already a sign of a losing mentality, and that's actually really not the issue. There are underlying issues, and the issue is in front of you, and you cannot see past it. You cannot see the other things that are popping up, because this one is so obvious and so big that it needs to be solved, and as soon as that clears up, I'm not sure if, if they got their disciplinary stuff under, under control, but then you start to see, oh, here, 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 color hex is not a, a Zarya, okay. That's an issue, but it won't be an issue when we get to DPS. Oops, that's another issue. Like, you know, and it's, it's really hard to look past that. Mm. And I think as soon as someone starts making these, because let's be honest, every team has their disciplinary issues oh, here and there, especially when they're losing. Um, every team has like these, these kind of, you know, intangible issues, but what really counts is, is can, can you solve that on the server? And they are not necessarily even symptoms or causes for what's going wrong. So, all right, I'm going to ask the hard-hitting question here then. Is season two for the Boston Uprising a failure, Joe? 
A failure. Like if you look back, is this a failure of a season? Again, I think has this proved to be wrong? The philosophy been wrong? Did they underperform no. any of that? I, I think they've overperformed because again, like I didn't rate them very highly even going into the season. I pulled our rankings, by the way. You had them at yeah. nine. I had them at nine? I, or nineteen. Okay, I was like, uh, that doesn't sound right. Nine at all. plus ten. I let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. Uh, and then uh, Yiska and I had them at seventeen. I think it's. I think it depends on what lens you kind of view them as. If you just view them as like success, where did you place? Where were you expected? Yeah, I'd say it's a little bit of an underperformance. If you kind of apply the Huck lens and it's just purely business, you're you're trying to make a case for some of these players. I think it's been fairly successful. I think, again, there was that rumor or that report put out that, you know, there was going to be a possible trade to the Valiant for fusions. I think that's kind of their... We've, we've kind of cemented the fact that they don't really... It's not that they don't want to win. I don't think getting to the finals is their goal. I think it's about generating revenue through building players and finding, uh, trying to scout for players in, in maybe regions that are under underrepresented in the league, bringing them over, showing the league that they're actually very talented, and then exporting them off to the next best team. Um, I think that's their MO at this point. It's hard for me to argue otherwise. Maybe it's an excuse but if you view it with that kind of uh, a lens, then I think it's been all right. I don't think, again, it's been a, a fantastic season even in that regard, but I think it's been all right for them if, if they really are the Boston Bazaar, but we'll have to see. Yiska, what do you think? Absolute disappointment, I think. I, I think that, that, line, that um, system has a higher requirement of working. Like the the appealing part to Boston was we're not spending much, and we're very we're decent to very good. Now it's we're not spending much. Yeah, that's not sexy at all to me. No, like, it's, it's not. There, there is actually a real chance that if you look at the table right now, Toronto could definitely overtake them. Then they're a bottom three team. That is not a, a successful season for them, and I think that also like defies their reputation and honestly this is another check for me like maybe it's all crusty it was all crusty because if you like the correlation between crusty being on up boston uprising and crusty not being on a boston uprising is crazy in terms of win rate right it's like up 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 up, up stage three perfect stage no crusty five five i think or six four and then into the next season now 17th with the same sort of the same business model i mean yes you small sample size there's a billion things that could have happened instead uh with the coaching staff and whatnot but i mean it would be equally wrong to discredit that data point of another data point that just adds to what crusty is doing like amazing I also don't necessarily agree that Huck must be so angry now. I think the biggest problem or the biggest thorn in his side is that his team in, in like the, the front office for the Boston Uprising hasn't been able to fix whatever's wrong with them going into this stage. I think that would probably his be his biggest pain 
they're his biggest aggravation. I don't think it's that they're not doing well. It's they haven't been able to solve whatever is causing them not to do well because they've had plenty of time to do it. They've they've shown that they can be good with this roster, but something's changed and they don't know what and it's not being fixed. So the one thing I want to add is I think that there's two levels like of measured success and coming from a small ball market team, <laughs> your level of success is not even playoffs. It's not even winning championships. It's how well do we need to perform to uh, kind of offset like the costs essentially mm -hmm. and performance usually bleed into you know, ticket sales, of course, 100%. and then merchandise and all that. And there's usually an expectation where there's a meeting that happens that says, based on the squad that we're going to have this year, based on our money, we can win this many games. And we expect by winning this many games with these specific players, we can sell this much, putting us this much in the green, this much in the red or whatever. Mm -hmm. In both cases, overall performance, as well as those other metrics, I think Boston underperformed this year. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I there, there's... Agree. I know that there are fans who are not happy. I know I can't say that, uh, but there are um, there are certain uh, the expectations were not as high for Boston this year as last year by multiple parties, and they did not meet those expectations. I think I definitely think expectations were higher this season than last. Would you agree with that? By people who knew what they were talking about? No. By people who ah. frequented certain social media channels and uh, public forum boards and things like that? No, I think uh, the, you know, the, the Boston fans were very much Boston can do no wrong. Anybody who says that they can are, you know, idiots and don't understand this philosophy and don't understand blah, blah, blah. And you know what, if they were right, we would have never lived it down. Thankfully they weren't. I, but I do know that the expectations was not a, there was no expectation of another perfect stage this year. A hundred percent. There was no expectations Definitely. of, um, winning their division. Definitely not, but it was always. But even there at the was expectations of playing. Trust the system. Probably, maybe I would say I, I would assume. I, I would say there was expectations of, like, if I if I had to pretend based on the info I heard, and and again this is pretending, but based on what I've heard, mm -hmm. fly on the wall, sat down, go. We think we can make plans with this team. We think that by making plans our base will still be really happy because we made playoffs with yeah. a lot of new players and a lot of players that you can get behind and enjoy and, uh, you know, rally behind and a system that is different than just about any other overwatch league team in, in the league. Yeah. And so we think that we're going to do well and, uh, they, they haven't done that. So. I, yeah. Totally agree. It was just so, more of the, yeah. the secret sauce, as chat saying, you know, yeah. that, that whole expectation, like, oh, but what what about the huck factor, guys? Like they want we Boston to be rocky. Season. I get Basically, it, dude. Yeah. I want Boston to be rocky too, man. Like, don't get me wrong, but you know, nine times out of ten, Dolph Lundgren just knocks Rocky out in the first round. 
they were close i don't know like they they had like a a a nice showing but it kind of went downhill and hard to tell why well and and i think stage one i think instilled some like false false hope and like false uh security of like okay we're not where we wanted to be but look at how good fusions was for the first three Mm -hmm. weeks we weren't planning on talking about boston this week that's okay now we can talk about whatever team you want to talk about another bad team we can talk about florida if you like or you talk about (laughs) london they're sometimes bad we do so we do need to talk about the other upset that happened that we didn't even get to talk about and that was london and uh yes guys see your hair is mostly grown back so I, i see you're doing a little bit better People falsely assume I'm a London fanboy. Because you I are. Really... Don't deny it. Shut up. No, I'm not. Shut no, up. Not. Get out of here. You're just lying to yourself. You Quit lying. Know. Delusional. It's, I'm just the only person I mean, in my I... life who I expect to not be delusional. <laughs> to have that level of self awareness is you. But clearly, I'm I mean, wrong. I'm a, I, if anything, it's probably um, profit that I. Uh, well, I, and even there, I say that Prophet was not the best player on on Spitfire this season, right? Like this time, I'm not being mad at. What would you say that was he's, best? He's, on, uh, let, he's let's, at let's acceptance. Just he's at the acceptance okay, step. So, so that's good. I, I think they just wildly inconsistent, and the problem is what frustrates me about this team, and why I keep having these emotional outbursts about their <laughs> results is that. London just doesn't play up to their potential. It is like you know how we said that uh, Seoul was the team that consistently doesn't portray their uh, consistently portrays their potential. Sure. London is a little bit worse in the torture scale because sometimes they don't, mm-hmm. and then they explode and look like the best team in the world, and then they can just like <laughs> fall off a cliff. Cliff. Uh, uh, how's that? How's that cartoon called? Um, Describe it. Speedrunner? No. I mean, there was a cartoon called Speedrunner. Was it with with a bird? Speed Racer? No, I don't remember. Okay, but you get the idea. It's, it's Roadrunner. Which one is it? Roadrunner. Okay. okay. Thank you, chat. And <laughs> and yeah, Speed it's... Racer. How did you? What? Yeah. No. Like, it's it's really unsatisfying in that regard right that, that mm, a team mm. can be go from genius to trash in the matter of sometimes within the week it's unreal and it ho- already has been like that like maybe maybe that was my bias last season where it was like i was undervaluing houston but almost every houston loss felt like oh they're another trap game oh they're playing nyxl and houston this week and then against nyxl it's like oh it, it gets houston's like mm. It's like, ting, ting, ting. Sometimes you just, and whiff, whiff, whiff. And sometimes you go, and go, ding, ding, ding. I'm glad that John, oh, wow. You actually, okay. All right. Those headphones, you know, I guess you paid a lot of money for those headphones, so they might as well project that sound. I'm listening. London's yeah what okay so what do you think what do you think is like causing those inconsistencies if you had to guess what do you think what what's the problem over the years I've had my video that did all right and I thought it was 
I, I pointed out there was inconsistencies, but I couldn't tell you why. Why do you think there's inconsistencies? If you had to guess. It's so hard to say. I don't even think there's a pattern in, in yeah. what way they fail. It's like you cannot even put it on birdering. And then also no. they sometimes do really weird stuff with their substitutions. And then someone else falls off. And then someone else absolutely is not currently in form, like Gesture. And then last season it was birdering. And then they also switch, switch the Zarias around. And then, I don't know, it's like... And then they they have structural issues, and then they bring in this coach that is a structure coach with a with a esports history, and then they don't still don't have structure. Yeah. They just look like just like last season, and then eventually it's like, okay. So so from that we can de determine that it's something with the roster because it's not the coaches because we've we've tried to apply what Bishop left early in season one, then they got an. I don't remember who it was, but they they rebuilt the coaching staff after that. That didn't work. That didn't solve the problem. Doesn't yes, mean they that their coaching well. their coaching changes were better or true. good enough. That's true. I, I I then I guess it wouldn't be fair to to a hundred percent say with certainty that it's the roster, but something there's something that points to me in that direction, and I don't know what it is. I, I, you're right. I, I can't. I can't find any pattern that they're kind of falling under. There's no weird rumors coming out that oh, it's the roster. It's just a gut feeling. It's even at the beginning of the season. I had a lot of. Um, I I figured it was more of like the patch changes were causing them problems. Maybe that affected the locker room. Maybe they're slow to adapt. Is this the exception to the rule? I don't know. They seem to be doing very well in 222, where I figured they would probably have a slow start to, to kind of build up to. I it, it they're a weird they're a weird little project card to fix. I don't know what what goes in their head. Like we can only assume it's they they're sandbagging or whatever you want to call it in some of these matches where they throw or they don't, you know, prepare, but I, I just struggle See, I, to find like a, a coherent reason why that constantly is a thing. I agree personally with Dream. I I do post. I I do credit it. I think it's coaching. I think it just has to be. The players are individually too talented. We've seen some players leave, go on to other teams, and do really well. Um, I I don't know, and, and they they have changed quite a bit. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. I Yeah. I, I, I would I would personally attribute it. I think I think there's not one thing. I think attributing it just to coaching is probably it's I would say it's like a fifty it's one of those like he said, she said, meet somewhere in the middle, like fifty fifty. Like I do think that the roster is very individually talented. They have thrown a bunch of coaches at the problem it doesn't seem to work it doesn't mean the coaches are wrong but i don't know i i think it's somewhere in the middle though yeah ah, they're a mess i know um you they know what great sometimes but yeah yeah yes guy i know you i knew that you just got called into a meeting so i'll let you leave we're gonna go and finish mm -hmm. up with some predictions okay uh but uh Everyone say goodbye to Yiska. Bye. Bye, Yiska. Later. All right. So.
Joe, it's just you and me. We haven't done this before. Hi. Hey. Hey, it's just like Overwatch League Daily, but live. It is just like Overwatch League Daily, but live. We need to figure this out really quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix these cameras for a moment. If it'll let me. There 20 we go. coaches not trusting players not trusting coach because they're poop. Definitely true. Could definitely be a thing. We're just we do have quarter main. Keep uh stalling. God. Keep stalling. I'm I'm, I'm reading chat. What's up, chat? What's good? Hi Dream. I do see you. I do read your messages. I don't know if you've noticed because I constantly lose my train of thought. I see you. I see you. What uh, what matches What's do we have coming on? up tonight? Tonight we've got Boston and Washington kicking off the day at seven EST. Then we have Dallas Gladiators, Shock Dragons, and then we have Spark NYXL. Do you think Boston would ever sell Aim God to Shock? I think Boston would sell any player to anybody. Yeah, there's there's nobody. Yeah, there's there's nobody safe on that roster. Yeah. All right. Do is there a reason for the for them to sell him? I don't know. I think Violet's been all right. I, I had some questions earlier in the stage, but I think I think they've been all right. I think Aim God would fill out their roster very nicely, just in case something were to happen or if the meta were to change again in playoffs. But obviously, windows closed now, so hard to say. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about tonight's matches. Match number one, Boston Uprising versus Washington Justice. It's got to be Justice is, here, right? Yeah. 3-1? Much to, uh, Maybe 4-0? I, I, like I said earlier, like it is hard to predict 4-0s, but if Washington comes out and looks as good as they did against Vancouver, and I do think they did look very good, um, I don't think Boston has much of a chance. Um, but I'll say three one just because control can just be control. Sometimes, sometimes you just play yourself. Yeah, I think that's fair. I haven't. I admittedly, I haven't watched enough Boston this stage to like have really strong feelings. Um, about where they're at, but mm. uh, I've watched a lot of Washington, and they're uh, looking pretty good. As long as Corey and Stratus keep looking as strong as a DPS duo, I'd put them top of the league right now with uh, that as a yep. DPS duo. They're just yeah, I, th I think they're they actually seem very, ve like very uh, in sync, made for this meta, mm -hmm. tailor made for this. Honestly, and then, and like I don't want to get off subject, but I do think it's like in a incredibly disappointing that we might have a, a a kind of a Cinderella team that won't be able to find any kind of success because of the, the, the meta change and how poor they were at the beginning of the season. Like, I think it's going to be a nice bookend for their season and it'll be kind of exciting to see what they look like coming into next season. Hopefully it's not, well, I don't know if I want to say that it, it's not too drastic, but I don't know. We'll have to see what Washington looks like next season. It should be interesting to say this fuel versus gladiators. Uh, again, not much to talk about. I think this is a gladiators. I Can I say, just say how disappointed uh, I am that I have to say that? I was really hoping to see something more from the fuel once two 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 comes out. Uh, 
I had hope. Maybe did you it was, expect them to? You, I, yes, uh, I did. I thought did that. Did you? Yes, I thought that I, uh, this would be a squad that we could see a little bit more of their kind of grassroots, what got them to Overwatch League in the beginning. Naive, probably on my part. Sure, fine, whatever. Yell at me. Call me an idiot. <laughs> I don't I care. I, don't, I was just... I expected more from the fuel in a two-two-two. I think everybody expected more, but I just didn't see where they could give more. Like AKM, yeah, you're you're good, man. Like I get it. Taimu, I don't know. I, I've I've seen him play before. Yes, one hundred percent. I've I've been there. I've seen the plays. I've seen him pop off and headshot Bunny, you know, on Dorado, whatever it was. But that's years ago. He hasn't played in a long time. He hasn't even been getting scrims, according to him, you know, last stage. So it's hard for me to believe that they're going to come in and just pop off. Um, I think everybody had expectations going into this season because of how good their, I think it was stage four of last season was. And I think they narrowly missed playoffs, if my memory serves me. But well, it yeah, most of the time doesn't. I think expectations were really high on the coaching staff as well. They definitely yes. kind of doubled down on that aspect and i'm not saying that this is a coaching problem at all no, no, no. uh there's also i think there were some preseason rumblings about how good dallas was looking in in scrims and um how they felt about how their squad was coming together that i think we put them in our i can just go to the list right now we put you know fuel all at number nine it's the only play it's the only place on the entire uh power ranking that we agreed well we put, agreed yeah you know, and obviously they haven't quite made that number nine. They're at 13. Then again, between number, uh, I mean, honestly, between four and 15, it's a four win difference. Mm. Like, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's certainly close. And I think, I think even looking back at like the season one predictions, Dallas is always a team. I even had them in that wild card with Atlanta. Like, what's going to happen if Effect just doesn't work out and he just explodes, right? And and obviously we know what happened. Hopefully he's, you know, I don't know what's going on with him, but I, I think that was a big reason why we all assumed that, you know, Dallas was going to do really well is because they had that star player. So what what may have happened if Effect was in 2-2-2? Would that have been a, a success? I certainly think it would have, but they don't have him anymore. I think that was a big... Uh, blow to their season losing that level of talent um yeah it's it's disappointing i i don't know what's going to happen in the future it, it's just kind of sad yeah sad to see such like an old guard team just like kind of just passing the torch right. at this point let's get to the interesting ones then and we'll get out of here shock versus dragons I'm going to just say dragons first before you do so that I can be the Oracle. I don't think it's dragons. I think this is like pretty confidently shock. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think shock have looked very good. Dragons still not entirely too sure of what they want to do. Uh, it's, it's just not looking great for them. I, I didn't say it's bad, but I, I do think shock is the best team. This game would probably be a, a, a decider for me on who really is the best team. If they do lose to the Dragons, then it's like, okay, then I have no clue. My best bet is to say Shock. I think that's the best answer right now. I think it's the most likely. 
So yeah. I think a shock win here against the dragons that aren't bad, but they're like, I think the big, di- minus, I think right? if they would have decisively beat the defiant. I would feel a lot less. Yeah. Like that I would was feel, a big one. Yeah. That was when you go one and two against Toronto, who, you know, as much as we want Toronto to be really good. Yeah, Baroy represent, and, and they've been go. doing a little bit better. But a little bit better shouldn't mean you beat stage three champions, right? Right. So. I mean, I I don't know. Like, it's a totally different. It's a two 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 meta. What does stage three champion mean anymore? And, and maybe this is just my my bias or my misunderstanding. But when you look at the compositions and the way that shanghai played stage three towards the end with the arisa with the Farah, it does lend itself to kind of having a head start in this matter at least you would assume or at least i would assume i shouldn't say shouldn't uh, project um Whatever. so it's just a podcast was, who's gonna hold us accountable Let's go. <laughs> i kind of give a little bit more weight to you know shanghai stage three performance and saying like hey you know maybe they saw something nobody else saw they have a style that fits and maybe i'm wrong dream brings up a good point uh ding and yunkin don't have a may and that could be a big issue that makes sense. I love having Dream as our fourth silent co-host. You know how like those radio shows and like po- like political shows have like fact checkers. <laughs> we basically have Dream, but he also yeah. gives his own thoughts and opinions. So thanks, dude. Let me know when you want to come on the show. Um. Yeah, I agree. Is not that having one. a May a problem. Yeah, I think May is like incredibly important. This meta. Just, I mean. This isn't a great reason to prove this, but just look at the pick rate. Yeah, how I often think you're seeing her. I think single. If you look at the teams that are winning right now in stage four, I don't think you can point me to one that doesn't have a great May. Yeah. That's not to say that other teams with May can't lose, but uh, it's clear that May has played some sort of role that whatever Hanzo and widow and Farah haven't been able to, and re- even Reaper to, to an extent, uh, haven't quite made. So yes, I think, uh, have, having a may is strong. A big is very deal. important. Uh, yeah. And just having one, like if Shanghai just doesn't have a may, I don't know what they do. They're going to have to reinvent the wheel Have to pull a Chengdu. I don't know. It's going to be kind of rough to see. All right, last one. <laughs> Spark versus NYXL. This is interesting. This is... I don't know where to go on this. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm even looking at the, the schedule, and it's just like there's nobody that I really feel comfortable in even betting on. I guess NYXL. I was going to say, I believe, like, I think the slow adapt nyxl meme is whatever it's clear that the spark are on their way down like they're 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 not playing how they should like how we kind of expected them to with uh, crystal being gone and sure i mm, i just 
I, it might be just my season one biases still getting there, but I just look and I go. No, I and think. I definitely same here. I recognize that a lot of this is like rose tinted. I know NYXL. I know what to expect. At least I feel like I do spark this meta again. I don't really know who plays me on this team. I've, you put gods beyond me. Like hasn't looked great. I, I you know, sucks to say that as know a, you know, an X6 fan but full spiral dream I, I think they're pretty dang close but i think both teams are pretty spirally at the moment uh, well, this yeah. is going so to be like, mud flinging in, in reference to the spark i don't know right like you don't know what you have two planes that are just nosediving oh yeah i can't really yes. tell which one's going to be better at turning into more? the spin yeah sure <laughs> yeah i don't this is going to be a uh, dog fight like this is dream just tweet me just straight tweet me a smug tweet if i'm wrong that's fine yeah we'll do but that then i get to tweet <laughs> you a smug tweet if i'm right smug deal tweet a kiss we'll there have is, to though. see i think it's like a three two new york i think this is going all five just a not clean just scrap fest i think it goes all five or just one team shows up and the other team doesn't we four oh I don't I don't see like a no three between, one happening. So I, like it. I just don't th- see like a three one happening. So um uh, whatever. We'll see that. Show or uh, matches start tonight in three hours and thirty minutes. So four PM Pacific time at twitch.tv slash Overwatch League. Make sure to uh check them out and do that. We're gonna get out of here for the night. Bum Diska couldn't stay. That's yes. He's gonna Big boy got to do big boy things. Appreciate appreciate that hustle. Uh, let us know how you guys enjoyed a second weekly episode of Tactical Crouch, by the way. We don't do it often, but if it's something that you all really enjoy, maybe we can build it into the Patreon in some way. And, you know, maybe there's a world where you get two episodes of Tactical Crouch rather than just the one on Tuesdays. Yeah. And also, like, again, I, I mentioned this. I try to mention this on as many shows as I can, but, like, ask your questions. Like, I'm paying attention to chat. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm looking over here most of the time. Chat's over here. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get in touch. You know, if you, if you have questions, if you feel like there's something to talk about, I do suck. Thank you, Vowels. Um, you know, <laughs> wow. just just let me know. Let me know. Ask your questions. And, yeah, if, if the second episode thing happens, then I can put them in the, the show notes and go from there and we can explore and 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 figure out uh the best answer for you so yeah and we also have the tactical crouch slash yiscord discord right so if you're a sub on the twitch or if you're a five dollar patron or above actually i think it's any patron you have access to uh the croucher's discord which is the biggest brain singular overwatch channel you heard it here first. Just kidding. You want to be part of the Big Brain channel? Join. Yeah, consider supporting. Go on patreon.com slash tactical underscore crouch or uh, leave us a five-star review. Sub on Twitch, twitch.tv slash kick tripod. All that stuff is amazing ways to support the free content we give you, and we will never guilt you for not being any of those things. But also know if you can. If you can spare it, it means a ton for us. We've got some audio upgrades planned this fall and I'm really excited for. 
So uh, we don't have the Yiska fan and the Joe fan going on the whole time. And it's going to be awesome. So we definitely got big plans there. So thank you all for hanging out. Um, yeah, I think it's things are going good. If you did I leave a five star so. review or patron, I will thank you on the prime episode on Tuesday. I didn't want to thank you on a off episode side episode. That yeah, kind of didn't, yeah. Yeah. So just, just know I did see, I think we had a couple new patrons, uh, a singular new five star review. Thank you for doing those. Thank you again on Tuesday. Um, yeah. All right, Joe, anything coming up besides our, we're celebrating happy birthday, by the way, to one of the, uh, the keepers of tier two and tier three overwatch in Mushu beef. Uh, he is the founder Biggest of broadcast GG. Um, we're doing a little birthday stream with him tonight. Yes. It's going to be, I think, at twitch.tv slash Mushu Beef. Go check that out. Joe, I know you're in the call. I'm in the call. Should be, yes. So I'll be there tonight. I don't, I don't know, know how, if I'll be drinking, but... I don't know how messed up we'll I'm going to get. But if the birthday boy wants it, birthday boy will get it. We'll have lots of little special guests, people from the community. It'll be, it'll be a good time. Definitely tune in. Come say hi. Yeah. All that good stuff. We'll do that. Joe, anything else you've got coming out over the next four days? Um, no, just working on projects, um, helping people out. Um, I think over at uh, Esports 7, we're, we're covering uh, the International 9 over in Shanghai, helping out, trying to all hands on deck with that. Not that I know anything about Dota, but, you know, I can... I can uh, help wherever I can, you know, graphics, this graphs here, um, working on my own projects again, like just polishing them out, trying to get them out and yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. Playing some TFT. I'm going to try and hit diamond. I think that's the new goal. Nice. Try and hit diamond and then call it quits and then just kind of go play TF every game. Um, but yeah, other than that, not too much. Just same old, same old. Sweet. Um, as for you? me, uh, do go follow us on Twitter at tactical underscore crouch, patreon.com slash tactical crouch. And, uh, you can follow me at kick tripod everywhere on the internet. I do have a new TFT podcast. That's going to be coming out, uh, over the next week or two. You can follow up price. Twitter is the best place to follow there. If you're into TFT at all, it's at zero econ pod. Uh, spell out zero. So that's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be doing it with my friend Ray C uh, current Hearthstone pro top 50 in the world. Super, super excited about TFT and really good at it. And we've got an amazing community of contributors who are kind of working on it with us. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be really great. So definitely go check that out. We'll see you guys on Tuesday for episode yes. 46, 47, whatever we call it. Bye, guys.